When did the bass appear in your life? The spring, spring of 1955. I was a cellist playing up till then, and there was an orchestra, the school orchestra. They'd go out to various events, and I noticed that they were not calling me. I thought that because they were not calling me, that they didn't. They thought the other guys played better. I didn't think they played better at all. I thought I played as good as they did. But there was no bass playing in the orchestra because the guy had just graduated. So I felt that if I play bass, then they'll have to call me. So that's why I'm playing bass. That's a good plan, just to be included. Yesterday, for me, the moment was also thrilling and touching. Yesterday, during the conference, in a very diplomatic way, you said. I was informed, you used specifically this expression, you were informed that there was no, no place for an Afro-American classical musician. And you have all the right in the world to be bitter about it, but somehow you decided to be elegant, diplomatic. and What's the point of holding that anger all that time? I worked really hard to get to where I am. I thought I was playing really well. People thought I played really well. And to know that a part of the music society, which is classical and jazz and pop, yeah. that this section that I was that devoted my life to playing better and better, decided that, that no matter how good I played, it didn't matter to them because I was, was, was not Caucasian. You know? mm-hmm. And then again, as I was in college going to school, playing in the weekend bands as a backup band, the guys in New York said, look, man, they need always, New York can always use a good bass player. So just come to New York. So I graduated in July, in June, in May of 1959. August, I moved to New York, and I'm still working. Is that how you've always been, to look at the more positive, the brighter side? No, no, I have my time when I'm just playing mad and nothing's going to change. <laughs> nothing's going to change that. It just seemed to me that I had a solution. It was right there. Come to New York and work. I just wanted to play. I wasn't thinking about being famous. It wasn't you know, accolades. I just wanted to play what I spent my life learning how to do, play music. This term is jazz. We're talking about the 50s in the United States and then later 60s. Very interesting times on so many levels, social but also musical. Those were the times when albums, especially jazz albums, but most albums were recorded in the most natural and organic way. Is it still your way to record an album? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I want the sound of the bass to be important. Now that people have really sophisticated hi-fi gear at their homes and in their cars, you know, it's nice to have the music that, that sounds good in your house, in your automobile. And so I've always been concerned about the recorded sound because it's history. I can't change it. I'm stuck with that. So if they're going to be stuck with it, make a good sound. Nowadays, the technology and all the internet and so on, that lets people record an album even if they don't meet. I, I, I do that because it's part of the job of being a musician, but that's not my favorite way. I want to be right there while it's taking place so I can interact with that person playing that. I did a record uh, from uh, a blues singer named uh, Eric Bibb, a really good singer. And he recorded a track, and I met, met the, the engineer and his producer at a studio in Brooklyn. We spent two hours putting the bass line on about seven tunes. And it sounded like I was there when he made the record. That's part of my job. Could you describe the atmosphere in Blue Note Records? You made part of this history, an essential one. Well, you know, they were all interested about making music. And Frank, the, the, Alfred Lyons, the primary owner producer and, and uh, the photographer they just made sure that they were out of the way the music took place to make sure we had a chance to practice before the day had a rehearsal to make sure that, left, that the studio was outside of New York so there was no no chance to go out to eat on any mission so they bought food uh, they had a great engineer Rudy Van Gelder who made the greatest recorded sound ever 
it was not difficult to look forward to going on those dates because the music was going to be really fine, really nice guys, and the wonderful sound of the record when it came out. So I was pretty happy all the way around. It seemed like a job you looked forward to. Like a free school. I watched how they do it. I learned how to play the changes. I learned how to form. I learned how to prepare for the session. It's just like going to free class. Exactly, because that was the way of learning. Uh, nowadays, young people have all the resources they dream of, just thanks to the Internet. And uh, back in that time, you had to rely on communication. Well, I'm not afraid of the Internet. It is what it is. It's here, and we have to learn that how to use it if possible in our endeavors. But I think one thing that's even more different is that there wasn't, There's not much radio jazz this year. And, and 20 years ago, man, there were five stations in New York, always played great music, had great sounds. The, the disc jockeys knew the personnel, really like an informative kind of music program. They're all gone now. They're all talk shows or something else, you know, and it's unfortunate that they didn't think jazz was enough of an art form to have it on, on their airwaves. I host the jazz yeah. show. It's once a week. Good for you. Yay! <laughs> I'm happy to have a jazz show at least once a week. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. Um, right, so would you would you describe also the atmosphere in Blue Note as, as, a, as a supportive one? Because, okay, the, the owners of Blue Note definitely spoiled you with... with uh, they, they wanted to give you the best conditions they could provide. And what about the, the musicians and their interactions? Well, if you hear the records, you know that everyone understood the project. You know, it's a real close-knit group for as many people as there were. They all knew each other. They had played somewhere along the way with each other in a group, groups of four and five. They understood the need to get this record done in one day. Exactly. They, they couldn't fool around and come in late or not in condition to play, and they all understood the pressure they were under to make this record in one day. And such as that, they came and took care of business. You can't ask any more than that. It's really hard not to ask about Miles, so I'll ask just two things about about that time. Because from the band, there's, there's Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorten, as you, and you all emerged to be nowadays legends and also some. Well, I wouldn't call it prophets, but yeah, but but definitely jazz pioneers. Mm -hmm. So uh, my question is: Did Miles teach you that, or he just chose the right talented people? Just chose the right talented people. Yeah, he was he was, he was a bystander most of the time. He didn't know what was going to come out. He didn't know how he could do it, but he trusted the guys he had hired me, Herbie Wayne and Tony, to present a canvas for him, to play a whole lot or less, and he appreciated the effort we gave him. And uh, the second thing about Miles is that uh, on one of the albums there is there are three tracks of yours. Uh, there's R.J., there is... Well, all, yeah, I know, yeah, that was the, all done in one takes at the studio. Yeah, and unfortunately we didn't play much live stuff with that, but we were, we're starting to... We're still examining that old library, but we transfer some of that enthusiasm, some of those concepts to those records, which are really nice records. To have your compositions on Miles' album, was it was it uh, some kind of an award for the musician? Or? No, 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 he asked for songs. Yeah, bring some, we're going to make a record on this day, bring in some tunes so we see if we can play them. So I bought in two, Wayne bought in a couple, Harry had one, Tony had one, and He didn't care about that. He wanted the music to sound right and trust us to bring in some stuff that we could play. So what's R.J.? Ron Jr. Exactly. So coming to that, yesterday you started the speech about yourself from your family. Well, they want to know what I do, and I, I'm not doing this not without their support and their encouragement and their enthusiasm when I got work. They appreciated it. They understood what it took to get to the work. They understood my practice routines. They understood that all I invested in me with their help, of course, to be a first musician, and they are, in fact, a part of my life. I listened carefully what you said today and yesterday about playing in a band and how you just 
seem to be focused on uplifting others. I think a good sideman does that. And the bass player has so much control over the band and the results of the tracks. They can understand that now, and they were certainly able or willing to ask help from this guy in the back now, who is now becoming more and more important musically. And his input to make the music have another shape to it, another system, some discipline. That's really having a major effect on the music today, the bass player's input. And it's nice to be a part of that group. Part of, even though you're being invited here as the main artist, this is your, your basically your everyday story. You, you're being somewhere as a main artist, but you still are focused on, on the others. How else can I play? I mean, if I want to stay home and practice with myself, I can do that and have a good time and cheer myself on. But it's important for me to have the feeling from the other guys that I'm on the right track to help them play something that they didn't play very good last night or for the last gig. That's my job. Looking for better concert each night. Look... <laughs> Yes, it must be better. Uh, looking for better sound, always learning. That that's also seems to be all. I'm going to school free. I'm taking lessons from last, last night, the uh, Polish radio band. Those guys play it really wonderful. And I admire their energy, their enthusiasm, their focus on the music. So always learning, always looking for a new sound. Yes, so yes. Wh- when is the relaxed run time? Right now. Right now I'm just doing nothing, enjoying talking to you in this radio interview. This is my downtime. Is there anything as your free time? This is free time. I'm not playing the bass. This is free. This is free time right now. Uh, yesterday you mentioned Ahmad Jamal. That would be amazing, actually, to listen to, you, to the two of you together. Well, I keep calling once, once, once every other month to say, uh, I'm, I'm still around, and, and, and just tell your bass player to get another job for the night, I'll take care of it. So what does it take to be chosen by you as a musician, your criteria of choosing people to work with? The work for me? Yeah. Uh, they have to know how to read music. You have to trust my judgment to direct them in the way I think that is productive for the band. That means being on time, know the music, trust my sense of dynamic range and the keys and tempos. It takes them, uh, I, I hope that whoever I hire in the band understands the importance of the bass instrument, not me as a bass player, but the instrument itself, as it does all the things that the one note can do. I trust that they will be professional, show up on time for the gigs, with the right ties, I trust that they have some input to the band. If I ask them a question about how can we get better, they aren't afraid to ask or tell me what I have to ask them. Those are some things that I have to have to make the band a real group of guys and gals who all agree that the, the, the important product from this event is music that the audience can take home with them and we're able to convey to them our feelings through some of these musical terms we use as they play the instrument. So trust and respect seem to be fundamental here. It's critical, absolutely. The Guinness record, was it by chance? Or you aimed for that? It seems to be a fun fact. Yeah. A, a friend of mine was determined to prove how many records I had made. And that told me it was too much trouble. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the, I didn't have the researching skills, really. Uh, my typing skills are terrible. How could I do that stuff? So we found someone to help us out. And uh, at the last count, 2015, there was 2,215 records. It's probably 30 more than that 55 years later. But it, it was not my idea. And uh, only due to my friends helping, nagging at me, did it get done. You'd never avoid any other genres. I mean, you did play jazz. You came out from classical music, but you play. You, even yesterday, you mentioned you played pop or or, or um, even country and western. Is that also for the purpose of learning? Absolutely. They all have their own scheme of plans. They only have the sound of the chords. They have their own changes. Mm-hmm. They have their own emotion. And my thought is always that these people who are not in the jazz community would have found me at some point in their way and thought that this guy who's not playing in our band at all, only suggest that he could come in and make this country and western music sound valid 
or a Brazilian record sound like a sound with his input, some kind of avant-garde group where he knows the sounds that make the music sound interesting. That's my job, to be able to make those groups kind of miss me when I'm not there, and I'm okay with that. Are you in touch on a daily, well, not maybe daily basis with Wayne and, and with Herbie? I, I call him every holiday. Herbie's really traveling really a whole lot, more than me. And Wayne's busy writing an opera, and I don't want to distract him, but we, we're in touch, yeah. Because, uh, well, I met Wayne Shorter on a few occasions. I had a chance to, to interview Wayne a few times, and uh, you also seem to be going that way in life philosophy. Well, uh, I'm a little younger than Wayne, so he maybe got that before I did. But we understand that mankind is important, and human beings are important. And, and uh, we, we hope that by the presence we have in the club or a performance, will affect someone's view on life and, and humanity and uh, uh, things that make the earth and the world survive easier with some more thoughts that are more positive and, and, and uh, heartwarming rather than heart-wrenching, you know? Again, respect. That's part of it too, of course. I heard today how you dealt with the annoying person well, in the room and it was with such diplomacy. I really admired you for that. Well, you know, I learned a long time ago never engage in an audience that's hostile to whoever it is, you know. Don't encourage them to talk to you. Don't encourage answers and questions, you know. That's a skill earned. Yes, and, and again, being a sadman and a lot of bands at different times to see how those band leaders handle other situations that I would not normally see. And again, you know, I'm not sure if he was just wanted to be visible or he wanted to be seen, uh, but my, my job is to not, not alienate him as best I can, have him hang around here the rest of the music of the bandstand, wherever we are, you know, and, and not make the atmosphere any more hostile than it is because I'm nasty to this guy. I don't do that at all. Mm. No. I think that this is a very, very common nowadays. Many times it happens that people start a conversation, and probably you've experienced that many times because it's about me and not about you. Well, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten way over that. That's more enough about me kind of conversation, you know. The difficult part for me is when people insist on talking about them. You know, and while I don't mind them because it takes the heat off me for the moment, I think it's really a, not a comfortable way to engage me in a real conversation mm -hmm. and have the, the conversation not just memorable for them, what they learn, but from what I'm able to pick up about me with this conversation and how I handle this one or how this person reacts to my commentary and what I'm going to do when the next time it comes up with someone different. These are all like a, a, a free site class. I'm okay. <laughs> okay, let's talk about treats. That will be the last question before they kick us out yeah. from here. Treats meaning the bow tie, the tuxedo. Is that for us out of respect for music or is it just pure treat? Uh, both. I, I think I want people to see that we're really going to work here, you know. And uh, when my band goes to work, before we play one, we take a bow to the audience. We're telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we're here. We're dressed for the occasion. We hope you are. And here's our efforts to make you feel good when you leave. That We always wear uniforms, shirts and ties, shoes polish. That's part of what makes our event special mm -hmm. for everybody else. Absolutely. So, because you, you did mention the ties, especially your tie collection and so on. So that that's a thing, or it, it's just for pure pleasure? Well, I'm kind of teasing the audience to come see me. I, I'm, I'm only on the bass player in the band. Of course they'll see me, but if I say I'm wearing a nice tie, they'll, they'll enjoy the humor, which I mean it. Right. Any other treats? Do you still get a chance to listen to music? All those pleasures. Yeah. They're waiting somewhere for me around the corner. Right now I'm so involved in the next year with this music project I'm trying to put together that my spare time, which is never really great, would be even less great. 
But I accept that creators put me here to do these projects, and I'm going to do the best I can to make them survive. They're waiting, so can you spill a bit? Not yet. yet. I'll give you a copy when it comes out. Interesting, interesting concept. Right, we'll be waiting for that. What what about the the pure pleasures that the world offers? Are you a foodie, or do you enjoy, I don't know, what what do you enjoy as a person? Of course, I enjoy eating a good Italian meal, or I like a pizza every now and then. But my... My interests, while I don't see what they are other than music, they are outside of music. Mm-hmm. I, like, I enjoy reading science fiction, by the way. You know, uh, I enjoy paintings and art. I, I, I enjoy looking at great automobiles that are too small for me to get in <laughs> and too expensive to buy. Those are my obvious things when I'm not on the bandstand trying to figure out how the sound with this band sounded good. 